friends. Thanks for joining us on another podcast episode under our new name. See you next Tuesday. Today we chat with Parveen, a successful Vancouver realtor who's been in the industry for over 14 years. We talk about women investing, buying a home, renting versus buying, stratified laneway homes, first-time home buyer grants, and so much more. Join us as we dig into the housing market and talk about everything from a woman's perspective. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good morning. Chat, we chat to women and it's about women in business or what women are up to, women are doing, and you're in real estate. And I just feel like not all the time, but women kind of leave the home stuff or the home buying or commercial buying up to their partner. You got it. Yeah. What, what, what do you think? And I just, you're in it, you work in it, you've bought your own place. So I just wanted to hear your thoughts on it or if you have advice or, or the market or, you know. I just want to talk to somebody in it, a woman in it. (laughs) It's interesting because um, for me, I've seen both ends of the transaction. So before real estate, I was in finance and I was with RBC for 10 years. And now I've been in real estate for almost 14 years. So when I was um, going into the finance role, what you'd find is typically the husband comes in. The husband does everything. The husband's the sole person on the loans, on the mortgage. Yeah, the biggest thing I remember advising a lot of the women that would come in, especially the married women, is get your own credit. They don't have any credit because they have nothing in their name, right? And what's interesting is... um, Because they don't want to or... It's never been offered to them. That's my opinion. It's never been offered to them. You know, the husband's always been the, I'll take care of it. I'll pay the bills. How much do you need? And I, I've seen that yeah, in front yeah. of me with clients, right? And you know what's interesting though? So check this out. 1960, 61, I think, that was when um, Ban City was one of the first banks to offer a woman a mortgage slash loan in her full name. Oh, in 61. 61. Prior to that, and I remember me and my dad having this conversation. Prior to that, they would always want a male co-signer. Wow. Isn't that interesting? You know, look how far we've come too, you know, from then to now. And now just kind of fast forwarding into the real estate world, who are my main clients? Prior to up to about maybe, I want to say like six, seven years ago, only male. You You deal with the husband. The husband would call. The husband, but now I'm finding more of the wives are calling. The wives are taking control. you know it's it's just it's it's interesting to see that right so um there's definitely a shift happening with the internal power of the household where the women are taking charge paying the bills and I know in our household I pay all the bills like checking everything they paid same with my parents my mom's got all Mm -hmm. the bills sitting there and make sure that they're paid so it's interesting right that that shift is happening the other thing that I've really noticed is that, you know, with a lot, a lot more women going to school longer, getting educated longer, income levels are a lot higher. Mm-hmm. You're finding now a lot of women are tending to not step into that role. You know what? I'm 25, 26, 27, get married and then buy a house. They're waiting. They're not settling. Good. And I, 
I find that with a lot of my friends, still a lot of my friends are still unmarried and they're, you know, pushing for 40, 40, 40, and, you know, they're not married. And this last prior to COVID, like 2018, 2019, I was busy with a lot of my friends buying their first homes. That's awesome. Because they're living in that household. And the other thing is, it's not just like, oh, I'm a woman, but it's also the ethnic factor. You know, you stay with your family until you go into your husband's household. Oh my gosh. I've just, I mean, and it still happens. Some women are totally doing their own thing and some people do move in with their husband's family. And actually I just heard about that recently where she moved in with her husband's family, but kind of, I don't know. And maybe she's not used to it because it is a different culture that she's coming into, but they were like, basically she's like the cleaner and the cook of the family now. Pretty much. But she doesn't speak up and he's like, that's normal for him. So it doesn't bother him. So he doesn't say anything up against his family either. Yeah, it happens a lot. And, you know, like I know our culture, I can speak from what I see is that it's not just the, the women. It's also the males. The parents want to keep the sons. Under- mm, that's true. Like my brother just got married last year. And it was, it was actually ironic. So his wife, she actually moved out of her place. I think when she turned 18 or 19 to go off to school went off to school and then ended up getting a job downtown so always had that independence where she lived on her own whereas my brother you know only son he's in the house you know (laughs) pay his bills and he he works yeah right and ironically he's a realtor (laughs) (laughs) so you know he's he's that's how it is for him we're two realtors coming out of the same household where you have one that took off and searching for the independence and has gained that independence you have the one that's like no 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 no, I'm just gonna stay in the household and have everything done for me yeah so he got married and my parents were going through that struggle you know mm. does he, he move out they they don't know how to fend for themselves you throw them out on the street they won't know how to survive you notice that okay so is that you think a cultural thing or a BC thing because real estate is so crazy here because I have a younger brother well I mean he's 36 he's 36 and he lives at home he rents the basement suite he's he's happy yeah but yeah I don't know if he's ever gonna if he's gonna move out (laughs) you know what I mean so I don't know if it's because housing's too expensive or it's because he's you know cooking gets done for him laundry gets done for him like I don't know which it is and actually him and his girlfriend long-term girlfriend broke up Mm -hmm. recently because well I, I mean they're both saying it was two-sided and this is amicable and this and that but I feel like it's because she she came from the states she moved here she lived with him for like four or five years and she was like we need to buy a place so that we have our own space and I think he was on board but it was very like dragging of the feet and now they've broken up <laughs> yeah you know when I went through a similar kind of situation with uh, with a family member um and actually he's um just under 42 but he always rented he he, he moved out mm-hmm. he, you know his single mom raised him and he moved out and he was living with his long-term girlfriend renting and in his and it's so funny in his mind he always thought you know what we're gonna get married and then we're going to buy a house so they broke up and I remember getting a call from him earlier this year and it was the funniest thing because we're not close we don't have that that closeness mm-hmm. never had always been younger right never had that closeness and he opened up and I thought wow and I said well what do you want to do he's like you know I think I should have bought a house 
I should have bought one maybe 10 years ago. I think I've missed the window. Like, what are you talking about? And he's got a great job. He's a social worker downtown in the Vancouver side. He's got a great job. Amazing. And, um, I'm like, you haven't missed a window. Let's get together. Let's sit down. Have you got pre-approved? That's always the first thing. Because a lot of times what happens is there's that stigma, especially the news. And I just can't stand this. That housing prices are out of control. Yeah. You know, so what does that do to you psychologically? Oh, I can't afford it because they told me the housing prices are out of control. Yeah. You know, whereas the person hasn't even sat down with a mortgage uh, broker or rep and figured out, can I afford to have a house? And he's paying over $2,000 in rent. It's so, so, cause he was renting um, in the West side. So I said to him, I said, you're paying this much in rent and you're telling me you can't afford a house. Yeah. Here. But that's he totally getting, or he wants to get on board, right? He wants to, but he's scared. And I think that's what happens with a lot of people is they're scared to take that step because you're so comfortable. Everything's being done for me. I don't, why don't, why, why am I going to take that risk? I don't need yeah. to take that risk. Totally. Right? I'm being told I can't afford it. Oh man. I remember, um, I guess in my early twenties, but you're early two thousands. Um, I was just looking at a house just for looking at a house, but I needed a co-signer cause you know, I was still young and credit was growing and stuff like that. So I asked my dad, I'm like, Hey dad, will you co-sign with me? And he's like, no, cause you know, parents don't want to co-sign cause they don't want to like, commit to anything. My mom wouldn't do it. I even asked my aunt, she wouldn't do it. And now I'm like, mother effers. Cause at that time houses were $200,000 in Vancouver. I'm like, damn it guys. If you just listen to me. But now I feel I, I feel the same way where it's like, okay, well now houses are two million. So you know or do I jump it's in? too late? Do you just do it now? Is it just gonna it is just gonna keep going up, right? You're gonna have a slowdown. You know, each area is doing a different thing. That's the other thing too. You know, so each part of the lower mainland, the Fraser Valley, everything's doing every area is doing its own thing. So, you know, coming back to that guy, that cousin of mine, he, we talked in January, he bought, he closed in March. Amazing. Oh my gosh. On a one bedroom. And, you know, first thing I said to him is, how do you feel? He walked in, he's like, I can't believe this is mine. That's I'm like, awesome. I, I told you. That's so awesome. Right. It's, it's, it's so easy, but you think it's so hard because it's like, it's a story you're telling yourself. You're telling yourself this story. I can't afford it. I can't do it. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough, whatever it may be. I don't have enough income. And even with income <laughs> programs homeowners, and people don't know, you know what, because the thing is they're there, but unless you ask or actually look for them, you're not going to know. I was going to say too, like what you were saying with the news, how they just, it's the fear mongering and they just say, you know, prices are going up, interest rates are going up. You're going to need X amount of dollars to ever buy a house. Like is it ever going to happen for the next generation? And it is, you never, I've never heard about, oh, there are these programs or these things can help you, or you can go this route. They want you to be in that state of worry. You're in that state of worry. I can't do it all the time, right? So there's there's tons of government programs out there that are helping homeowners get into buying a home. And how do they find? Right? Like how do a regular how does a regular person that doesn't know anything about it find that? What I would do is a lot of times I have clients come to me first time buyers. This is one of the first discussions we have. Have you been pre-approved with a mortgage rep? Do you know about the programs that are available to you? 
you know, usually we're the first point of contract where we can offer these. If someone wants to go online and search, it's just our BC Homebuyers programs. It's easy oh, as wow. that. Put a punch wow. into Google, you're going to all these things come up. Yeah. And even first-time homebuyer incentive. So my cousin, he was working as a social worker. His RSPs, he'd been saving. I think he started working when he was like in his early 20s. So we have a lot of RSPs. That's where your down payment's coming from. And did he know that he could use that? Or did he just learn that when you told him? He, He knew, but he didn't know how it worked. He thought it was this big process i'm like look it's a piece of paper you take yes canadian resident you take yes i have rsps and you take no i've never bought a home before easy as that oh wow that's awesome so easy and it's just like that's that's what i'm saying people that don't know they don't look for the answers and it's like you said it is scary like you just see this big price point you think about however many years you're going to be paying it and people who don't know anybody in the industry they're like okay i can't even talk to anybody about this so it is just easier to not dig into it. And just stay consistent with your daily routine. And even um, the people that don't know, the unfortunate thing is sometimes they go to people and they get the wrong advice. Yeah. Right. That's the worst part about it. It's yeah, amazing. that's hard too. Mm-hmm. Like on your website, do you have any... Um, I don't know, like links to helping people like, oh, check this out or the BC homeowners associate or, you know, just so that somebody who's totally not in it, but kind of wanting to start doing research can learn more. So this year I I revamped my website and because I found a lot of shortfalls that people don't know because a lot of the realtor websites are very basic, you know, buying, selling. Yes. Here's a map. Yeah. Yeah. So on, on my website, you do have resources that will take you to certain links, government links, as well as first-time homebuyer links. The other thing I found is um, growing up in East Van is there's a short, there's a shortfall with people not knowing where to go mm-hmm. with projects that are coming up and developments that are coming up and, you know, information about strata and what the duplex and things like that. So I created another website, which is East Van Living. Which, oh my gosh. Very cool. No, it's still underways, but it's pretty much there. But it's it's filling in those gaps that, okay, you know what? What's Collingwood like? What's Kona like? What's Mount Pleasant like? I'm coming to Vancouver. I don't know these areas. And right now I'm dealing with, actually, it's really funny. I'm dealing with a retired couple who originally are from Prince George, moved to Vancouver probably about 40 years ago. Oh, wow. We met in a new new development and the new development wasn't really the right project for them. But in talking to them, they own a townhouse in East Vancouver. And my first question, why are you selling? Mm. We didn't know the neighborhood was a family oriented neighborhood. I'm like, no, I get that. And you know, they were trying not to be, <laughs> you know, like, we hate kids. No, I'm kidding. Pretty much. And I think, you know what? I get it. You're, you're, you're in Fraserhood. Like you're, you're touching Cedar Cottage. Like these neighborhoods are the most suburban neighborhoods, in my opinion, in all of Vancouver side. It's very it's, young family. Yes. Young family. And I, and I was talking to Michael, I said, look, walk down each of the streets. What are you going to see? Look down the street. You see a tire swing hanging from the tree. You're not going to find that in all areas. So, you know, it was just educating them. And I said, personally, where I would look is in maybe Fraser View. Yeah. 
Killarney Fraser View area versus Fraser Hood Cedar Cottage area. These areas are going to be very different. And I could relate to them. I said, look, I said, we, I work mainly in this area for that reason. My parents live in the Fraser View Killarney area for that reason. But so that's the reason I created that website is because people, so they can see the differences between, and South Vancouver, what's the difference between South Vancouver and, you know, some other areas. Yes. Or even like, even little things like, oh my God, please don't jump on me. West side, West Vancouver, West end, right? Even Marvine, <laughs> this is LJ. LJ, Marvine. Hi, nice to meet you. How are you? Good. How are you? Sorry, I'm late. <laughs> so we were just talking about like the real, she's a realtor. So we're talking yeah. about her website and, and how most realtor websites are like listings, buying, selling, and you just show a map of the area, but she's building it out differently to give more information to the consumer to like support them in their research in like areas. I didn't even know you were building a whole website for East Vancouver living. That's amazing, which is really true because each different area has different like things like young families or just young couples or, or even retiring couples or retiring people. It's just, it's so it's so true because if you're new to home buying or just new getting your foot into it, it's very overwhelming and intimidating. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the thing. So that retired couple, they went into the Fraser Hood area because that was the area to be. And, <laughs> and that's the thing, right? And then the, their townhouse is um, five years old. So they bought it new. And then realizing, you know what? We don't, we don't like these kids running around in our yard. That's what it is all the time. Kids, kids, kids. So, so that's what we're dealing with right now. And, you know, it was just explaining that, okay, you just went into a wrong area, but at least you're in the market because once you're in the market, you can kind of shift around in the market. You know, I know somebody, a young couple, I think they just had one baby recently and one of their parents, one of their sets of parents helped with the down payment for their place and helped them buy their first condo. And I don't know what happened, or maybe they just cashed out to pay bills, but they sold the place recently and then now they're renting. I'm like, that's strange because I find that's kind of like opposite of what normally happens. Usually people rent and then own, but I'm like, oh, I wonder, is that a smart move or is that never a smart move to get, not to get rid of your house? What I find and what I found over the last 14 years is if you leave the market, your timing to get into the market better be really good. You better catch that slight dip in the market where you can jump back in. But even jumping back in, if you look at the stats, the market's always gone up. Yeah. This like is I'm never going to find a $200,000 house again in Vancouver. You know, it's, it's Vancouver real estate. It's one of the top areas to be in, right? So that's the other thing is that just over the life, like you're, property is going to keep going up. So what you can do is find possibly little dips where you can jump back in. Can you jump back into the same neighborhood? Mm. I don't know. You might have to go from a house that didn't have a rental suite to one that has maybe one or two rental suites because you're going to need that additional income. Or you might need to go in from one area, shift into another area. You know, so it's just, it's just a matter of being aware and trying to get back in as soon as you can. I had one client, he wanted to buy in East Vancouver and then he was, you know, maybe I should buy in Central Surrey. And it was a first time purchase. And I said, well, what do you, what do you want to do? He's like, oh, you know what? I'm just thinking the demographic in Surrey, I might fit in a bit more and I might like it a bit more. I'm like, yeah, that might be true. Go hang out there. 
if you buy out there, chances are for you to come back into East Vancouver, mm-hmm. it, it may not happen. You're buying that one bedroom in East Vancouver and you're buying that one bedroom in Central Surrey. They're going up at different rates. The other thing is the supply in Central Surrey is a lot more. So for you to sell it, cash out, make money and try to come back this way, it may not happen. You may have to wait it out or have another person go on the mortgage with you. Yeah. Okay. So he bought it in Vancouver, thank you, thankfully. <laughs> do you ever do you ever push them to be like, actually, I suggest that you do it this way, or do you kind of just let them totally decide? Even if so, say he ended up going into Surrey, mm-hmm. do you be like, dude, that was the wrong choice, or you just you know whatever suits them? Whatever he whatever he's going to decide is going to be his decision at the end. My my what I need to do is just advise him to be aware. Look how much supply this area has versus look how much supply is over here. What is your reason of going over there? You know, his, his, his mom's in Vancouver. Then he's going back and forth with, oh, you know what? What if I need to get to her right away? I'm like, you need to make a pros and cons list. You need to make a pros and cons list. You know Vancouver East. You don't know Central Surrey. Go out there for a couple of weekends and spend some time in a coffee shop. Just sit there and see how you feel. Mm-hmm. That's smart. Right. Because the thing is, that's the thing he bought out there. He's going to call me in a year. Hey, I need to come back to Vancouver. I'm like, well, I can't sell your place. You're going to lose money. Right. Okay. It, but it works both ways though. There's clients that I had looking for a duplex in Vancouver and that wasn't the right fit for them. Mm-hmm. Whereas they were able to buy a single family home in the Guilford area. And they've been there for now five years and they love it. Oh, that's so, so cool. It works both ways, right? What's, what's better for the person? LJ, do you have any? questions about it I totally was just throwing random questions <laughs> okay. uh, so like I don't know you filled in quite a bit from the what 10 minutes <laughs> no no it's amazing even yeah. I'm just you have to give us your website too so that we can post it up yeah. because I think I feel like you know whenever I see a house for sale I always go to the realtor website because I want to check out the inside photos and see how much the place is but it's true websites always just have for sale buying selling listings and a map there isn't anything to support a new homeowner or anybody just wanting to dip their feet in more yeah exactly exactly it's funny Um, because I sometimes um I'll go and see like oh what are other neighborhoods in other parts of Canada like like Calgary Montreal and I always look up um, like neighborhood descriptions mm-hmm. and what's what neighborhoods are up and coming, what neighborhoods are uh, family friendly, friendly, et cetera. But they're never real real estate websites that will tell me all of this. It's always um, yeah. Nar City or Daily Hive or, you know, one of those that just tell you the 10 best cities and why and what to find in these neighborhoods. So it's it's an interesting perspective that you're going in that route because then you can attach listings to it and be like, oh, okay. Okay, so what is your website? <laughs> so we have my personal website, just parveensandu.com. And that covers off, you know, Vancouver, Surrey, Langley, Richmond, all the areas. East Vancouver, eastvanliving.com. That's the East Van website. And that one is pretty much up still filling in some gaps. A couple of the gaps that I started getting, um, started thinking that need to be filled in are some of the mom and pop places that are still around. You know, those restaurants that we used to go to and, you know, some of the parks and just giving a little bit of history about certain areas. 
So I think it's just me feeling like, oh, things are changing so fast and I'm missing, you know, what used to be there. And, you know, this is a demographic coming into the area that, you know, they didn't know that, hey, this used to be an apple orchard in the 70s. Like, did you know that? You know, just the cool things about East Vancouver and even Chinatown, how they're like revamping it, you know, Mm -hmm. what used to be there versus, you know, what's there now? So I think it's just bringing that appreciation back. That's what it is. That's so awesome. I can't believe you're doing that. I feel like I haven't, yeah, no other realtors that I know of are doing that, right? Mm -hmm. Awesome. That's so smart. Well, I'm trying, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And I think it's just part of me feeling old and that things are changing. And I I get that, you know, the older generation thing, we don't want change. And part of me doesn't really want the change either. I'm missing some of those old corner stores that used to be there that are now high rise. (laughs) Totally. I know a lot of change. But I mean, hey, Dankmark is coming back with, or is like coming and they're like bringing the little grocery store or candy shop. It's in South Bend too. I love that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I took my daughter in there. She's like, Kendall, this is what the corner stores used to be like. I used yeah. to go there with my dad. Yeah. Like we'd walk to the park, go to the corner store and get like these little five cent candies. She has no idea what that is. She goes into Costco and buys like the big tub of... <laughs> Yeah, Dangmart is awesome. And they always have lineups and they just opened a downtown location. Have you guys seen that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Lineups all the time. The younger generation, like younger than us, the ones that do like to live at home and stay at home. Do you, have you had any clients, like, I don't know, in their age group or generation demographic that are interested in buying or has it, is that not even a thing for them anymore? Are they just happy renting? I have um, one actually that I'm dealing with right now. She's 37. She's not married. She's living at home. She made the move from the upstairs bedroom to the basement bedroom. <laughs> you know, that's usually the first move, just trying to get a little bit more space. And we were just talking. She's got, she's been saving. She, she her. You know, she's not going out. It's not much of a traveler. She's a homebody. And I'm like, you know what? You should probably use that money and invest into something. If you don't want to move out, I get that. But take that money. And put it to something that you can rent out at least, you know? So I did show her some properties that where you can at least cover your mortgage with the rent, you know? And when you're ready to move out, then move out. Because it's just, you know, she's really sheltered and, you know, it's a homebody, not not ready to make that move. It doesn't feel that it's safe enough to make that move because she's a single female, right? So that, that's fine but don't let your money just sit in your bank account making right. nothing, right? So, right. you know, there there are, and like, I think there's a lot more like, there's like a lot like her where there's just, they think if they buy something, they might have to go move out, not ready to move out, just rent it out, you know, have your money work for you. And then I had a question about that because I was talking to somebody recently, she's in her 60s, she's a grandma, she has her kids who are full adults with their kids, so grandchildren, and her whole life, obviously, her and her husband have just saved their money and they've always bought properties. So she recently bought a property or two that she's going to give to the grandkids when, you know, when, they, when they're old enough. And mm-hmm. she didn't know this and I didn't know this till she told me, but it's that BC empty house tax, I think. So she happened to be one of the people that got audited, randomly audited. So then they sent her all this paperwork that she had to fill out and submit. And she had to sign up for a BC business license 
because if she's renting out those homes, then that counts as a PC business. So she was just like, I just might sell these things because I don't want to deal with it. She's like, these are for when the kids grow up. Like I'm not a business owner. Yeah. And she had no clue. Yeah. So with someone who has multiple properties, like I have one of my friend's dads, he did that, you know, save, save, save. He's got like four kids. These houses are all for my kids. He didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And I said, right, but your dad needs to talk to an accountant and or a lawyer because that's why those um, rules were brought in. The speculation tax, the empty home tax, that's why they were brought in because people are holding properties for their kids. Mm-hmm. You know, these properties can be rented out or you know sold off to people who are actually looking for properties um right now with the supply and demand you know that we're going through we don't have the supply to support the demand for these people trying to get into the market because a lot of the older generations they're holding on to four five six seven properties all in a row on the same street because that's what that generation did <laughs> right for their kids and it's, it's it's unfortunate because i know um that my friend, her and her siblings, because they know they have these properties, they didn't really bother to go and do anything else because, hey, I've got my inheritance. Yeah. Whereas, you know, kids like us that are struggling and like trying to make on our own, (laughs) we don't have that, right? So it's it's kind of unfortunate, but um, that's why they brought that kind of stuff into place, just for that supply and demand. And is there any way around it? Or is that just what happens if you own multiple places? Because that was just a big headache for her because she's like, I'm just trying to help out my kids or my grandkids. And now I have to do all this extra stuff, even though, you know, it's not like she's super profiting off it. She's renting it out and, and she's just, she's just trying to help out her family. And now she's like, great. Now I get to deal with all this extra stuff. <laughs> no, you know what, with that, I would, I would refer to an accountant or lawyer. Mm. So like with that, unfortunately, we can't give advice on that. The only thing we could advise is to go to the right, you know, professional agent to provide you information on that. Short answer, no. Yeah. Because even when you have a one property, like my, my parents have a property, and if you have multiple rental suites in there, you need to get a business license. Yeah, that's what she mentioned too. Even, yeah, if you have rental suites, that's a business. So is that what like legal uh legal suite means like it's already been permitted as a suite versus that don't say it's a legal suite yeah yeah well that's so that's the thing so when you're buying when you also when you're buying a home too i look for that too with clients is um uh, a rental suite mm-hmm. a basement suite that is a legal suite versus an unauthorized mm-hmm. suite you know legal suite the city of vancouver is charging extra tax on there you know you can rent it out pay your taxes that kind of thing unauthorized suite you can rent it out mm-hmm. city of vancouver finds out they can make you take it away so you could potentially lose that rental income coming from an unauthorized accommodation, right? So that's another thing that, you know, buyers have to be aware of when they purchase homes. Sometimes they're not and they go in and rent these and they're putting it on Craigslist. And this happens in a lot of jurisdictions as well. And they're putting it on Craigslist as bylaws are kind of knocking on their door. Hey, you're renting something that's actually a legal suite. Wow. So I've, I've seen it. Yeah. What about like... um in terms of getting a mortgage, like do they count a legal suite as a, is like income and then give you a better deal on your mortgage or let you get a home that's slightly above because you're going to make that extra 20, you know, like 20 something hundred or whatever. Do. I don't even know what rent is. <laughs> like, like, I don't know what people pay for rent. So. 
You're like, that's like $500. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I don't, I'm pretty sure the $500 a month is gone. I know. It's so sad. Yeah. No, I think now you're at minimum $2,000. Yeah. Yeah, which is crazy. Because it is income at the end of the day. So, you know, $2,000 a month, $24,000 a year is adding on to the income of someone who's, you know, making X amount, right? So when mm-hmm. you're looking at like the debt servicing of being able to afford that mortgage, yes, 100% it helps. Some banks, um, when I was back in the day, when I was doing it, it was 50% of the rent we could use. Mm-hmm. Now, I've heard, I, as far as I know, it's a, well, some banks are doing 100%. Wow. 80%, yeah. When I was doing it, it was 50% of the rental income because they need to qualify on their own. Wow. So that was back in like- Now they're like, you can't afford to qualify on your own. But now you need, a lot of people need it. Yeah. They need that rental income, right? Yeah. So um, I think it was Coast Capital that we were dealing with. They were using, my clients were dealing with 100% of it. Wow. So they were like, yeah, we'll look at it. We'll we'll use it and we'll qualify you. And so it, it just depends, right, on, on the lender. Um, and that, do you have any favorite banks you like to work with, or even, I don't know, banks that you find are more flexible or more supportive of first time home buyers or that sort of thing? First time buyers? I find, um, without bias, the credit unions are sometimes a little bit easier to deal with, but with the banks as well, you, the best thing to do is shop around a little bit you know, shop around a little bit because sometimes with the banks, you know, one bank might be more lenient than another bank, depending on how much they have in cash reserves, how many deposits they have, because that's how it works, right? Which bank is buying business right now? So with me, what I do is when I have a client come to me, I have a couple lenders I work with and with the, with the lenders I work with or the brokers I work with, I'll talk to them. I'll say, look, here's my client coming through. Who's buying business right now? Who's the easy lender to deal with? And they're like, oh, ABC. And they'll shoot them off that way. So smart. It's always different. It's always different. It might be RBC today. It might be TD tomorrow. So smart. And Parv was also saying, which I found interesting, uh, Van City was the first bank to let women get mortgages on their own. Is that it? Yeah. Wow. Like, read, I talked to my dad. Like, I read this article. Like, I got find the article. I read it a long time ago. And um I was shocked. Like, wow. Van City is also the bank that, like, um, they're they give a lot of grants to women in mm-hmm. business. Like, they're the only bank that gives grants to women. In business. They really like. See, I didn't know that. It was just this article. I found it so. Yeah. Cool. You know. Yeah. So supportive. Like, it's just. Yeah, they they're like in any type of forum or anything that I read. Van City is they'll give uh, grants and business loans. Um, you know, to women in business, even if you have like poor credit. So, wow, interesting. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, I, a couple of people I've come across, it's just like, oh, we just used a person that knocked on our door and said they could give us $3 million for our house, you know? And then the house is just kind of sitting there with no marketing, nothing. So it's, it's always, always good idea to interview your agent selling or buying. Mm-hmm. Just like I know if I was getting into the real estate market, I wouldn't want to deal with someone like who's entered the market that has no clue about the area or real estate or owns the home themselves. Like I've gone through the process, right? So I know what it entails. And is East Van like your specialty, your baby? Do you just go everywhere or from East Van living? 
I, I go everywhere. East Valley is my baby because I'm born and raised. You know, it's home is where the heart is, right? <laughs> but um, growing up in East Valley, um, after I actually bought my first um, investment property in Burnaby on uh, on Griffiths, and um, so I bought my first townhouse there. My dad, I was working at RBC. My dad pushed me to buy this townhouse. I bought the townhouse, and then uh, got married. And my husband's I idea was, you know, let's get some land, went out to Aldergrove Langley, <laughs> you know, Aldergrove Langley had 10 acres there, sold that, went into White Rock across from the fire hall, you know, from the fire hall into Surrey. So, you know, living in all of these areas, when clients are talking to me about these areas, like, yeah, this and this and this and this and this is happening. So, you know, being a realtor in the lower mainland, you have to know all, all parts of the city. If someone has a specialized product that, you know, they're wanting to sell in a certain area, I will refer them off because I'm like, you know what? That's just not my specialty. I don't really know that area. Yeah. But East Van is my baby. When there's new home builds, you go into there and help set that up as well? I do. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's it's, It's a lot of fun seeing a home actually built from ground up. And just seeing what the process is like. So I had some buyers come by that are looking at, um, we have a property that we're going to be marketing probably in about three weeks. It's three units in East Vancouver. So, you know, with East Vancouver, the biggest thing right now is densify. So, you know, you're taking a single family home and you're putting two units on there, three units on there, four units on there, just to try to keep people within that area and keep the house affordable where you'd have a single family home that would go for 2.5 million you can put three units on there that'll probably go for about one seven, make it a little bit more affordable for that family coming in with those young kids. So we have a product, a project that's coming up. Um, I've done the marketing for it. So looking to go on to uh, MLS in about, I'd say three weeks. And I took a set of buyers through on the weekend and they were just amazed by looking at the frame. They're like, this is what it looks like. You know, they see these red pipes coming down from the ceiling. What are those? That's your radiant. That's what's going to heat your flooring, you right. know? So it's just learning and then explaining to them. And they're just like blown away. Because you don't see that after. Yeah. <laughs> That was my other, actually, a question that popped up is that sometimes I'll see coach homes or what look like coach homes for sale. And like, how does that work? Like, what what is your recommendation on that? And like, or, you know, some people, like one friend I know, he bought just that piece of land off of his parents and built his coach home on their land. Like, is that, I don't know, like, what are your thoughts on that? My thoughts are that it's affordable. So we're doing one in December that will be coming up on a single family home. And it's, it's gonna have two units in the front and just with respects to the zoning on it and with respect to the lot size, where City of Vancouver has allowed us to put a laneway or a coach home on the back. And that coach home will have a sec- separate legal description on it. So, mm-hmm. you know, it'll be a one bedroom, you know, a one bedroom coach home, have a separate legal description on it. The person buying it will own that. Wow, that property. However, the land is stratified. So stratified meaning, okay, you've got a 1322 that's going to be split like this. Mm -hmm. So that one bedroom coach home is going to go for 1 million, 1.1 million, right? Oh my God. Depending on the area, depending on the area, that's what they'll go for. Yeah. (laughs) What did they buy? Like what, 
if it's just like if it's the house that's the thing. i had no idea it was that much <laughs> they yeah because it's, it's it's actually a detached home it's a small detached home right so you know it somebody that doesn't want to buy that they can buy a condo with the condo you're gonna pay maintenance fees every single month right with this they because they don't own the land like what's the benefit for the person buying the coach home yeah i've always wondered that too well like, i guess it's the same as a condo you don't own the land you just own that unit parcel yeah so what they call it is it's stratified so it becomes stratified where each person yeah. has their own legal property so like even with a duplex that are side by side one guy can sell without having to discuss with the other guy because that's his own legal property. It may be on a land that they share together, but the actual dwelling itself is there. So that infill or that laneway is his. He can do whatever he wants with it, right? He can sell it, own it, rent it, whatever he wants. That's his little parcel of land or a little parcel of dwelling. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they, they're, they're going for quite a bit. Those laneways are going for quite a bit. I'm so shocked. <laughs> Mind blowing for a million, yeah. a million dollars. Yeah. Rental, like what is the, like if you were to invest and that's what you invested in um, as a, you know, rental property, what can you rent that out? Like, would it cover your mortgage or for an average person with like yeah. the minimum down payment and et cetera? You should be able to get about $2,400 a month rental on that income. Yeah depending on where it is. Yeah. My parents have theirs rented, but see, you have to be careful. You have to make sure is that property stratified because you can also have laneways where you have a single family home in the front and you've got a laneway in the back, but that laneway belongs to is one. It's not separated as yeah. two. Mm -hmm. You have to make sure it's actually separated as a separate legal entity on that property. Wow. Right? In order to do that, because like my parents, for example, they have a laneway, but theirs is not stratified. So they actually own that whole parcel of land, right? The house, their rental suite and the laneway. Wow. Yeah, but you know, I know, um, yeah, 2,400, 2,400. I know Kensington Cedar Cottage, we, there's a few, quite a few popping up because of that whole fact that they want to densify, right? So by densifying, what they're doing is trying to create as much on a parcel of land as they can. Wow. Know? For some people, like one bedroom, two bedroom laneway is affordable because they want to be in that area. Mm -hmm. You know, it might be they want their kids to go to Charles Dickens or they want their kids to go to Stratford. Like, so they need to be in that little pocket. And in that pocket, instead of renting for 2400 2000 a month, you know, they're going to take a grant or something and get a house or a laneway. So it's interesting because everybody's situation is so different. In, in my eyes, ownership is ownership. Whether you own that laneway, you own the house in the front, you own a condo. Yeah, it's still building equity in some way. Yeah. Yeah. And there's all sorts of types of duplexes. Like um, we did one on Prince Edward and 16. And um, what they did was it was a house that we weren't able to tear the house down because it was, um, it had character merit on it. So it was built before 1940. So the city of Vancouver won't let you tear the house down. They'll let you take the house down to the studs and then build it out. So if you build it out, they'll give you more uh, floor space ratio, which is what they refer to as FSR. So what we did was we lifted it and there was a duplex on the top and a duplex on the bottom, which looked like a basement suite, a two bedroom, 
Yeah, a two bedroom on the bottom that looked like a basement suite, but it had its own legal entity and that sold for over $900,000. And it looked like a basement suite on the corner of 16 Prince Edward. Why? Because walking distance to Main Street and they want to be in the area. So it's, it's just so interesting, all these things that you see in the market and all these things that we're able to do with the houses. That's so smart and so creative because as an outsider not in the industry, I would have never known that was even an option to build it that way. Yeah. You know, those people that actually we sold it to them, they completed in um, February of 2020 was when I gave them the keys. So their property's already gone up like $150,000. You know, it's gone up quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's what I'm saying. It's just get in and you can get in. Like, this looks like a basement suite that they bought. That's it's amazing. on my website as, a, as, a, as one of the sold and that's what it looks like you're walking into a basement suite yeah are there and like is there any fear or like inkling that the market will crash because I know when we first bought our place we bought I mean prices were very very low then so we bought a condo uh, in Queensboro and then the year a year later like the next season everything went down like a hundred grand and I was like but like we ended up selling our place and then buying our home now. And then the next year, everything doubled in price. So yeah. uh, like, is there like a trend or is there, you know, cause if someone is looking to maybe sell now cause it's high and then hold off or, and rent until they, until markets crash. Like, yeah, there's like, so I was talking to Barbara about this. So the thing is what goes up must come down, right? generalization right mm-hmm. but with Vancouver real estate the thing is you can't when you're looking to buy real estate it's not one of those things that okay I'm going to buy it in 2020 and I'm going to sell in 2021 generally I would never advise someone if they're looking to get a quick investment hit not to do that because what the market that we're going through right now and for the last six years mm-hmm. it's not a normal market like yeah. what the prices have done right yeah yeah. There's many factors that play into it. Immigration, that's coming into the country as well. We're getting like 50, 60,000 people a year coming. Mm-hmm. And these people now that are coming in are coming in educated and they're coming in with money, right? So they're ready to buy within the city as well. So that's one thing that you have to take a look at with housing as well. Take a look at supply and demand. Take a look at interest rates, right? So what I was telling Barb earlier was if you do decide, okay, cash out now and don't jump back in, just watch the market very closely. Like if you were watching the market now for the last six months, this week, there's been a slight slowdown. Oh, interesting. Why? People, kids are still on vacation. So last couple of weeks before school, no, I'm just, down. <laughs> like I'm watching yeah. like, okay, this is what's happening. Wow. So I'm like, if you want to buy, this is probably a good time to buy. Take a look at what's been on the market for more than 30, 40 days, you know, sometimes oh. what happens is they'll hire an agent who's overpriced their property and it's sitting here and they miss the boat because prices have slightly dropped, but they've already missed the boat and they're sitting there as a stagnant property now. So that might be good to jump in there and Hey, try to get a good deal. It's just, it's just timing. It's timing, watching, having a realtor on your side to do a lot of that work for you and just know what area you want to get into. Cause if you don't know what area you want to get back into, it makes it even harder because you're all over the map. Mm-hmm. yeah does that answer that question I don't know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay 
because I always like thought about oh we should if we sell our house because we've made so much I'm like and then just wait and rent but then renting is very expensive so <laughs> it's expensive and you're paying off somebody else's yep, right. Right. Yeah. So. so bottom line is get in yeah. get, get, get in and stay <laughs> if, if you can if you can get in somewhere just get in somewhere so your money especially if you have money sitting there don't have mm-hmm. your money just sitting there mm-hmm. you know get your money working for you i love that Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for hanging out with us this morning and sharing all your information. That's amazing. You answered so many questions and blew my mind with so many more things that I didn't even know was a thing. Mm-hmm. I hope so. I hope so. But I'm here anytime. You have any questions? We should do like a live next time, an IG live, so people can actually add in their questions. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. That's very, good. very informative. And I can't wait to look through your website. <laughs> He's van living. <laughs> It's there. There's still stuff being added in. The other thing I wanted to add in, actually, I was just talking to Avenue, who's a website um, developer, uh, a blog, just, you know, things that are happening right now. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's a, a lot more I want to do with it. And then it's just having that time to sit down and do it. Mm-hmm. Right? Totally. Mm-hmm. But thank you so much. We appreciate it so much. It's so awesome. Thank you. Big eye opener. <laughs> I will. Thanks, guys. And that's a wrap. Hope you enjoyed our chat about home, properties, and investments. If you have any more questions or want to get in touch with Parveen, you can do so at parveensandu.com. That's Parveen, P-A-R-V-E-E-N, Sandu, S-A-N-D-H-U.com, or learn more about the different cities and markets at eastbandliving.com. We look forward to connecting again with you soon. See you next Tuesday.